Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. As ministers, as those that would serve God, that's that's the kind of resolve that we need to have. That, man, I'm, I'm just called to serve God, whatever it takes. There'll be difficulties, tribulations, distresses, stripes, imprisonments. Then it says tumults. Not a word that we use. It means riots. Right. There are towns that Paul went into and he preached and there were riots. They disagreed so much. One area Paul went in, he preached and people got saved. And it was an area that was given over to idolatry. They all worshiped this little goddess, Diana. In today's message, Pastor Bill will remind ministers that the work that they do for the kingdom of God is not in vain and it blesses the Lord. Oftentimes, doing the work of the kingdom of God is not an easy thing. In our own human strength, we burn out. We don't have the endurance or patience for what is required. But God gives all that you need and more for the work of His kingdom. Through the Holy Spirit, you can be empowered to do anything that the Lord asks of you. You need His strength. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 as he continues his message, A Heart for Ministry. I just want to prepare y'all that I want y'all to serve, but I want y'all to know uh, it's war. We, we will have a fight, and uh, but we, we do fight from victory. We always win in Jesus name. Moving on, it says, Paul says in needs. That meant that Paul, the apostle, I mean, this is a mega man of God. If, if, if we were measuring men of God, he had times where he had needs. So this flies in the face of the prosperity gospel, the word of faith teaching that says, that, you know, we serve God, that we're going to be prosperous and we're going to have limos and jets and chariots with four wheels and everything else. Paul said there are times where he had needs that that happens. Right. There's the Bible does not teach that if we're faithful in service to God, we're going to we're going to be rich. You might have money. You might not. Uh, Paul said I've, I've learned how to abound and abase. That means I've had a lot at times, excess, and at times I've had not enough. He said, but I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. And that's what we have to get as believers. Our contentment comes from our relationship with the Lord. That's our constant. That's what doesn't change. On a rainy day and on a sunny day, I'm, I'm, I'm right with God. I'm going to heaven when I die. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Um, when I win a, get a job, lose a job, Jesus is on the throne. I'm going to heaven when I die. On the, you know, whatever happens in life, there'll be things that happen in this realm. This is my constant. And so Paul says, I, I found whatever state I'm in to be content. Because my contentment doesn't come from having more or having less. It comes from being right with the Lord. The thing that money can't buy. And we got to believers, we got to get to a place where that's our contentment. I just want to be right with God. And if I happen to have a lot, praise the Lord. And if I happen to have not enough, praise the Lord. I got Jesus. And that's got to be enough. So he says it needs and distresses. There are times where he's pressed. There's distresses and difficult things that happen as part of the ministry. In verse five, it goes up a notch in stripes. Paul was beat for his faith. Anybody here ever been beat for being a Christian? No. Right? I've been beat before for being bad as a kid, you know, and then they've been beat for being a believer and never been beaten. That wasn't even what Paul got. Paul said I was there were stripes. What that meant was they would they would they would stretch your back out so that it would really hurt when they hit you with the whips. And they would whip your back until the skin would bust open. Men that had stripes, if they took off their shirt, they had markings to prove it. Paul said in stripes more than once. Paul was beaten on his back in that way. It's part of his ministry to the Lord. And so, again, that just flies in the face of anybody that believes that if I serve God, everything is going to go good. Nothing bad is going to happen. You know, I feel silly. Sometimes I serve God and I might have somebody talk about me behind my back. 
And I'm like, somebody told my little hand on my back, and I read about Paul. Paul had stripes. Like, man, sh- shut your mouth, Bill. You know, you, you got nothing to complain about. They just does not compare, you know, to re- this is this is distress, this is difficulty. But Paul feels part of the ministry. It's part of what comes with just serving God. So stripes, imprisonments. There were times when Paul went to prison for sharing the gospel. I've never been to prison for sharing the gospel. I hope that if our country fell so bad that they started imprisoning pastors, that I would stand my ground and, and be willing to go. But you know what Paul did in prison? He never complained. We got Paul's letters. Paul wrote letters from prison, and none of them are none of them are like, you know, whiny letters like we might write. If we went to prison for being faithful at church, what would your letter sound like? I don't know what God's doing. This doesn't seem right. You guys haven't visited me. It's dark. It's damp. It's nasty. They treat me bad. You know, it'd be like, send me packages. Do something for me. Paul was sitting in prison saying, I'm going to send him, I'm gonna write a letter to the church of Philippi and encourage them to have joy in the midst of difficulties. Sent that one off. I heard the church of Ephesus jamming. Let me send them a letter and speak to them about their calling and their election and what God has done and, and, and how to walk and how to serve and spiritual warfare. Send that to them. He just sat there thinking about the churches and writing letters. We call them the prison epistles. And I read those letters looking for the week. I'm looking for the cry time. Paul doesn't give it. That ministers to me, though. When I look, when I think about a man of God, I look at Paul and I look at what he went through and how he stood. And there's a strength about that. Um, I look at his ministry. I look at the ministry of Jesus. Jesus was abused. He was treated bad. You never see them crumble. You never see them like, I don't know why this is happening to me. You just see them take it and keep going. They just don't stop. They don't stop in the face of adversity. And so um, that's part of the characteristics we have to take on as those that serve God. Can you be stopped? Right. If God's put his hand upon you, saved you for eternity and given you gifts to use for him and you begin to serve is there something that could make you stop? Is there something that could happen to where you would say, now nah, I can't serve God anymore because this happened. Uh, one of my uh, one of the guys I really appreciate and enjoy, um, uh, Pastor John Corson. Um, this is a man who, while serving as a pastor, um, his wife, uh, they were driving the, in the car together. They live in, in um, uh, what is it? Oregon. Oregon. And with snows and they're driving their VW van or whatever, and, and they, they hit black ice and hit a tree, and his wife has brain trauma, and she dies. Uh, they've got three kids, I think, at the time. Three or four. I think it was three. Um, they had the girl and two boys. And so, boom, he's left as a pastor. Wife's dead. Got to raise kids. And he keeps going. He raises some, he raised some awesome, godly kids. Uh, all the kids at high school camp met his son, Ben. Um, he kept serving. Then... They had a daughter that was a high school senior, loved the Lord. One morning, their church does communion service in the morning before people go to work. And so the daughter before school went to the communion service. They had worship, had communion. And she took off to go to school, kissed her dad goodbye, went down the hill. She hit same same way her mom died, hit black ice and she hit a tree. She died. And they bring him word back up. And you think that's enough to just to like crush and break a man. But he kept going. And so you listen to him speak. You look at what's come out of his life and it's, it's a, there's a power to him. There's a there. There's not just an anointing. There's there's something powerful about what God's doing, continue to do through his life. And I believe it's because he didn't stop at no point. He didn't say, like, that's it. God, how could you let that happen to me? He knew that they, they're both in heaven. He'll see them again. And he kept his hand to the plow. I'm sure it hurt. I'm sure it hurt like nobody's business, but he kept going. So as ministers, as those that would serve God, that's. 
that's the kind of resolve that we need to have that, man, I'm, I'm just called to serve God, whatever it takes. There'll be difficulties, tribulations, distresses, your stripes, imprisonments. Then it says tumults, not a word that we use. It means riots, right? There are towns that Paul went into when he preached and there were riots. They disagreed so much. One area Paul went in, he preached and people got saved. And it was an area that was given over to idolatry. They all worshiped this little goddess, Diana. There were idol makers. So if you got an area full of idols, you, you make idols for a living. There are people that would make these idols. And so they, their business was jacked up. And so they created a riot. They're like, get this guy out of here. He's ruining our business. You know, it'd be like going into an area that was drug infested and everybody gets saved. And the drug dealer's like, get them out of here. They're ruining my business, you know, or or people quit getting drunk and you wreck the liquor store business or whatever. So, I mean, it was effective what Paul did. He created riots. Right. Um, Tumult. It says in labors that word labors means working to the point of exhaustion. I find sometimes in ministry, there are people that are willing to do a little bit. I want to serve a little bit. I don't want to, I don't want to like, I don't want to sweat. I don't want to work too long. I don't want to, I want any discomfort at all. I will find the most convenient thing to do that fits into my schedule that I can do it when I want to, but don't hold me accountable. Don't call me if I miss. That's how some people want to serve. That's not right. Paul says labors. He said, I worked to the point of exhaustion. Like I took my ministry serious and I worked, I was willing to work hard. Not for anything in return, not because it paid well, but because it glorified God well, because it served the body well um, in labors. He says, then he says in sleeplessness and in fasting, sleeplessness means that there were times where Paul didn't get to sleep because of his service. Maybe he was traveling from place to place and had to go all night without sleeping. Uh, maybe he was up all night and couldn't sleep because of the, the challenges that were going on. And whatever the case, there were times of sleeplessness. He says in fastings. This is either fasting on purpose where Paul voluntarily said, I'm not going to eat for the purpose of seeking God or fasting because there was no food available. In either case, fastings, um, that was part of the program. Um, I do believe that believers should take times to fast. The Bible doesn't give any specifics on how often, how frequent or for how long. I believe it's, it's, it's kind of between you and the Lord. But. It does teach us in Matthew chapter six, there are three principles. It's when you give, when you pray and when you fast and each of those things, he says how not to do it and how to do it. And I believe he's speaking to disciples. They're all things that God expects us to do. He doesn't say if you give or if you pray or if you fast, he says when you do, don't do it like the hypocrites who like to be seen, but do it like this between you and the Lord. Right. And so uh, I do believe there's an expectation from God that believers would take times where you pass the plate and you spend that time seeking the Lord. And if you've never fasted before, never really looked into that, you could do a day. You could do half a day. You could fast a meal. You can fast a week. Um, you can fast no food and just water. You can do a Daniel fast, just veggies and water. Uh, there's a book if you're interested. Um, it's the best book I've ever re read on fasting it's called God's Chosen Fast, and it's written by a man named Arthur Walls. So for anybody that's interested in just wanting to look into that, want to have a biblical perspective, I feel like they cover every verse in the Bible on fasting, when people fasted, what God did as a result, why we fast. So that's something of interest. Arthur Walls, God's Chosen Fast. Uh, moving on, it says, uh, verse six, now these are the lifestyle of the minister or the man or the woman of God. It says, by purity. 
Um, there should be purity in the life of the believer. Purity in your life, um, I believe it, it, it hits different areas. Purity is, um, I, I believe you're speaking of our our life before people, that there's no there's no dirtiness about you. There's no dark things going on in your life. There's a purity about you. You are what you appear to be. Um, I, I would mention here um, sexual purity. Uh, one of the things that really mars um, people of God at times is when people fail in those ways. And um, it, it, it'll ruin a whole movement, you know, when people mess up in that way. And so there's purity about the life of the man or the woman of God. He says, by knowledge, um, that's revealed knowledge, things that God has made known that he knows um, by long suffering. That means to suffer for a long time. Uh, there, may be things that, there may be times as you serve God that you're going through it at the same time. And it might not be a short period of time. Uh, like I said earlier, for those that are doing the Bible reading in Joseph, Joseph went through what he went through for a long time, but it paid off later. It's paying off where we are now. It's, it's, it's the payoff is happening for him um, by kindness. This should characterize the life of the believer, kindness. And everybody can ask yourself that. Would people say about you, he's a kind person, she's a kind person, that cares. Would they say you're mean? Would they say you're mean-spirited? Would they say you're kind? What, what would people say about you? Um, some of y'all need to go home and ask your kids. You know, you think I'm kind? Um, sadly, what I've found over years at church is there are people that are they're kind here at church. How you doing? Bro? God bless you. Oh, praise the Lord. Good. Great. Oh, that's here. And then they get in the parking lot and the kids are like, oh, no, no. Re regular moms coming back, you know, and, and, and all the other language you speak and all the mother tongues and everything else that happens. Uh, Y'all know that's not right. Right. That's not OK. So kindness should characterize the 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 child of God, but especially the servant of God. Uh, it can't be compartmentalized. It can't be kept to church. You should be kind here. Your neighbors should think you're kind. The people that live in your house with you, your husband or wife, should think you're kind. And your kids, they, that, that should be part of your character. And uh, if y'all need to work on that, work on that. Amen. All right. It says then, it says by the Holy Spirit. And um, obviously for every believer, we God wants to possess us uh, by his spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. God wants to fill you with his spirit. Uh, wants to empower you to live the life he called you to live. And it's, it's, there are things that God does in our lives is by the spirit. It's not going to be by your own might or power. It's going to be by his spirit in your life. And so um, there should be evidence to that. If I'm filled with the spirit of God, if God's spirit is ruling and reigning in my life, um, I can look at the list of the fruits of the spirit. And those things should characterize my life. Love, joy, gentleness, patience, kindness, self-control. Like, th they're things that just should characterize me. And if that doesn't characterize you, if people say you kind, gentle, patient, long suffering, gentleness, if that doesn't, if, if none of that sounds like who you are, if you sound like mean, harsh, sharp words, fist fights, you know, eye pokes, you know, that that, that should characterize the life of the believer, um, the fruits of the spirit. And so we can we can look at that as a as a barometer, you know, where how we're doing, where we're at with that. Then it says by sincere love. Um, and I like that he added sincere because everybody knows what phony love looks like. He says by sincere love, that we would be people that sincerely love others. Um, one of the marks of that, I, I believe that God is really at work and alive in a person's life is when they're able to love. But particularly when they're able to love the unlovely, because that's what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't just love those that are lovely or love those that, that like him. He loved everybody. He loved us when we didn't even know him. 
When we weren't even obedient to him, he loved us. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so um, Jesus told his disciples that if you love those that love you, it's no big deal. Even non-believers do the same. But it's when I love the unlovely that that marks. That's how I know that Christ is working through my life. And so um, through sincere love, that should mark us. Verse seven, by the word of truth, um, that we're, we're people that know and speak and live the word of truth. Um, by the power of God, God's power should be manifest in our lives as we're walking yielded to him. It says by armor of, of by by the arm, the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. And this speaks of this. Right. The when you looked at the soldiers at this era, um, they both hands were filled for the in armor. They had a, a, a sword in this hand, a shield in this hand. An idea was when it says by the right hand and the left idea that there's offense and defense. That that we're moving forward. There's we're at war, but we're we're on offense. We're on defense. We're not just all offense, you know, chopping everything down. There's also times where we're defending. But he says that we're we're prepared for both shield and sword. So he says by the armor of God on the right hand and on the left. First eight. Um, now we get a bunch of contrast by honor and dishonor. Same person living the same life, doing the same thing. Somebody honors you for it. Someone else dishonor. I think it's terrible that you taught that. That really blessed me. Praise the Lord. Honor, dishonor. Some people really have a hard time with that. Know that if you serve God, there'll be the people of God will love you for it and the enemy will hate you for it. I've been out at times where I'll see somebody uh, publicly proclaiming the gospel. And I always try to make it my point to walk over because typically when people are out street preaching or whatever, I, I think people hate it. You know, I think people walk by and they're, they're you know, they may say all kind of stuff, run up on them. So if it, if it sounds like it's the actual gospel, I at least want to go over and be like, hey. Appreciate what you're doing, man. God bless you. You know, um, I don't know how many of those they're going to get today, but I want to make sure they get one from me, you know. Um, but some people will honor you for it. Some people will dishonor you for it. You got to be good with that. It says by evil report and good report. Again, the same person doing the same thing and somebody reports you good for it. Someone else is an evil report for the same thing. You got to be OK with that. Um, it says as deceivers and yet true. Treated like a liar or a deceiver, yet you're telling the truth. You're living the truth. Um, and that happens in our culture right now. You preach the truth on certain topics. And for some people, like, that's, that's not true. That's wrong. That's a lie. And you're preaching the absolute truth on that topic. Um, you got to be able to stand your ground and know that that's part of the program. It comes with the territory of serving God. It says in verse 9, as unknown and yet well known. I might be a nobody down here in, in general. I might not be any. I might be unknown. Where do you want to be known? You want to be known in the, in the unseen realm. You want the Lord to know you, right? In Matthew chapter seven, there's some people that stood before the Lord and you know what he brokenheartedly said to them? Depart from me. I never knew you, right? They might've they might been popular down here, but God didn't know them. That's, that's what you don't want. I, I, don't, I, would, I wouldn't mind if nobody knew me long as God knows me. That's why I got, I got to get in there. You know, um, and so be mindful of that as as unknown yet well known. Um, die, it says now at dying and behold, we live as as chast as uh, as chastened and yet not killed. Disciplined, but not not completely destroyed. Verse 10, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Um, there'll be times that sorrowful things happen. But as believers, we always have something to rejoice. What do we always have to rejoice about? salvation that can't be taken away and so if i lose my job i'm still saved 
some loved one passes away, I'm still going to heaven when I die. Doesn't mean that we can't sorrow over difficult things. That's that's not reasonable. There are going to be sad things that happen and we, we grieve or we sorrow, but we can always rejoice at the same time. And that's the difference for the believer. For somebody not saved, there's, I just have a handful of sorrow. But in the Lord, I may sorrow over this reality, but but I know that I have a hope beyond this life. And, and that's that's my constant. That's my consistent. That's why the Bible says rejoice always. We don't rejoice about every situation, but we can always rejoice. Amen. Um, and so doesn't mean that you can't sorrow, can't mourn, can't grieve. It just means that we always can rejoice despite the things that we're grieving or sorrowing over. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. It says poor yet making many rich. Right. Paul's not having stuff or things poor in that regard, but making many rich. Paul's making you and me rich as we continue to glean from what he left behind in his word. And so for those that commit their lives to ministry and service, it might cost you. It might it might mean that you could have got a better job. You could have done something greater with your life, but you just greater in the sense of making money or getting stuff. But you gave your life to this way of service. And, and in that sense, I'm poor, but I'm making many rich. And Paul, Paul's riches were, I, I guarantee you, Paul got to heaven that Paul didn't get to heaven and said, man, if I knew that this was all I was going to get, I would I wouldn't have served as much. You know, I'm, I'm sure that when he gets there, when, when he's there now that, that he's rejoiced, he's glad that he gave his life in service and in ministry. Um, and, and that's I think we have to live with that in mind. We're living for another reality. It says um, the last part of verse 10, it says as um, as having nothing. And yet possessing all things. And so, again, the idea that man, I don't have a lot or I have nothing, but I have everything. If I have Jesus, you guys, I have everything. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Um, death is been said. Death is a great equalizer. And if someone dies a millionaire without the Lord, they have nothing. They have nothing. And if someone dies with two cent and they're saved, they have everything. Um, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, you know, the rich man balling and he died and he was he went straight to hell. He went straight to torment. Um, Lazarus was a beggar with swords all over his body, begging for crumbs for the rich man table. But he died a believer and he was escorted by angels into paradise in Abraham's bosom. That's a reality. He was poor, but he had everything. He had a right relationship with the Lord. And so. Um, we got to be careful about living in a world where we'll be encouraged to live for things that don't matter and discouraged for living for the things that do matter. And so when it comes to having a heart for ministry or a heart of service, there is a sacrifice involved in serving the Lord. But it's a it's a sacrifice worth giving. And so I would encourage us in two ways um, for those of us here that would say, you know what, I'm saved. I know the Lord. Uh, I appreciate what God has done for me, forgiving me receiving me, saving me. Um, I want to challenge you and encourage you that you would find your place of service. Every believer has a place to serve. Uh, there isn't anybody that God can't use or won't use. Um, we got to yield our life first. God's first concern with your life. Uh, but as you yield your life to the Lord, there's something God wants to do in you, with you, and then through you for his glory. Be discontent to be saved forever. So we've been saved for years and they don't have a ministry. They don't serve in any way. Be discontent. That's not normal. That's not okay. Every believer is called to serve the Lord some way. And if you need help finding out how you can serve the Lord, then get with one of us. 
Uh, we'd love to walk you through that and help you with that. But every Christian, born again, spirit of God lives in you. God doesn't save anybody to sit at church the rest of their life. But God wants us to do something. And, um, and we all do different things. That's all we have time for today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. In this book, Paul details many different ways that he suffered for the sake of Christ. It can be painful to hear about these trials, but it's a reminder that following Jesus comes at a personal cost. What are some ways that you've chosen Jesus above other things? Do you think it's worth it? Paul knew it was well worth the pain and hardship that was brought on because he had a bigger picture in sight of eternity. Do you have the same outlook when you go through difficult trials? We hope you continue to learn more from this book written to the Corinthians. If you're interested in hearing additional teachings from Pastor Bill, you'll find them on our website, CalvaryEnglewood.org. We'd be happy to meet you too. Do you live in the Inglewood area? Then come join us for worship this weekend. You can get service times and location information at CalvaryEnglewood.org. You'll even find links to stream our services if you're unable to be with us in person. And you can catch up on previous messages online. That website again is CalvaryEnglewood.org. As we come to the end of our time with you today, we want you to know that we're grateful to have you as a part of our listening audience. Would you join us in praying for others who are tuning in and possibly hearing about Jesus for the very first time? Please pray that their hearts will be open to the truth that changes lives. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us on The Transforming Word.